Welcome to Nine Plus, a podcast in which we talk about some of the research work being carried out by staff at Waterford Institute of Technology. My name is Rob O'Connor. In this episode, I'm speaking with Ramesh Raghavendra and Owen O'Donoghue of the SEAM Group, that's S-E-A-M, Southeastern Applied Materials. It's an applied research group that is concerned with advanced manufacturing, material science and engineering. In layperson's terms, how to make stuff out of stuff. Uh, They're also both founding members of 3D Wit, which specializes in the hugely exciting area of 3D printing. And recently, Ramesh was the winner of the Research Impact Award at WIT, recognizing the positive collaborations Ramesh and the team have fostered with industry. During the conversation, we talked about non-destructive analysis, simulation, and I learned a new term, additive manufacturing. If you're not familiar with it, hopefully you will be a little wiser after listening to this podcast. As always, I began the chat by asking Ramesh and Owen to state who they are and what their role is at WIT. I'm Ramesh Raghavendra. I'm a director of the SEAM Research Centre. Uh, and I'm also a founder of um, uh, 3D Wit, yeah, uh, which is a spin-off centre of SEAM. And Owen? Uh, I'm the operations manager at SEAM. I'm responsible for all the day-to-day running and the uh, organised chaos that is our day-to-day lives over at SEAM. Okay. <laughs> organised <laughs> chaos. Okay, I like, I like the way you're thinking. Uh, right, can we start by just describing what is SEAM? Okay. So, Ramesh. Okay, SEAM is an industry-focused um, applied Materials Research Centre providing materials engineering solutions for wide-ranging industrial sectors from medical devices to precision engineering to pharmaceuticals to, to food, electronics, constructions and so forth. Yeah. Mm. Um, in fact, um, uh, we have several niche technologies uh, such as uh, number one is we are the CT scan experts in Ireland. So CT scanning is a computer tomography technique Mm. Uh, which we use for providing non-destructive investigations and also for product design optimizations and metrology. Mm. So we use the CT technology for all these applications. And the second uh, area of our expertise is in the area of uh, simulation and modeling. Yeah. So for example, modeling of manufacturing processes or complex systems, um, which uh, using these kind of techniques, right, it reduces the need for building up of prototypes, right? So we use this modeling and simulation techniques, yeah, to avoid mm. the costly prototyping techniques. Yeah. Okay, so can I ask you the kind of the domediate question? Yeah. So when you talk about materials, yeah. you're talking about manufacturing using specific uh, elements or compounds that might have certain properties. Is it like so? For example, semiconductors. Yeah. Uh, that conduct electricity or don't conduct electricity, or maybe have a certain threshold for heat, or or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, rather than just building something out of bricks. I know. Okay. When when I talk about material, right? When we talk about material, it is wide ranging material. Whether it is a polymers, it can be plastics, mm. it can be metals, it can be ceramics. Anything, any materials, it does irrespective of uh, uh, whether it yeah. is. We have a very broad reach in our expertise. We have a wide range of different engineers from different backgrounds who've worked in all types of different industries and also mm. from strongly research backgrounds and things like that. But also 
we've always been investing in our equipment resources so we have the tools to solve any different type of problem that comes from industry and that can be anything from something broke and people don't know why but also oh there's this weird stain on my product or there's foreign material in it and my customer isn't very happy that there's black granules in his cup of tea. So, yeah. so can, can I ask you to, to, to give me an example? So you mentioned CT scans. Yeah. Okay. So what what are the material constraints with respect to CT scans? Uh, well, when we started off, we had a um, 180 kV system. That's the power, for example. Like it's a rough idea, the size of object you can look That's at. That's ki- kilovolts, is it? Or yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, right, yeah. okay. So... A CT is uh, much like medical CT. It allows us to create a three-dimensional virtual model of our object. Uh, mm. And then we can go and virtually chop into it, look inside in it, check if the size of it is right, or if we have two parts, make sure they go fit together right, or maybe something's warped or something like that. Mm. Now, when we start out with that system, you look at something maybe the size of your fist. Okay. So as time went on, we had the opportunity to get funding to buy a bigger system, and that was up to 300 kV. And now we're up to the kind of place where you could put something the size of a washing machine into it. So we can look at a much larger object. Okay. Now, there are limitations depending on the material composition. So if we have something like a big chunk of lead, firing x-rays through it isn't going to be very effective. So that would be a small thing. Mm. But if we were looking at something like a, a large carbon-reinforced structure, like uh, a wind turbine or something like that for power generation. We could look at quite a large object then because it's not as dense. Mm. And those would be the kind of limitations that we'd work with in that kind of technology. So, materials science. Uh, Ramesh, what discipline or disciplines would this fall under? Again, again, since I I said you in the beginning, right, we are providing service or... Um, our center, right? It looks after wide-ranging industrial sectors, right? Mm. So primarily, we deal with a with a mechanical engineering, or if you are talking, you know, um, mechanical or biomaterials engineering, biomaterials or materials engineering. Yeah. But we can also work on civil engineering as well because we work, we assist construction industries or construction companies and so forth, right? So it's a wide-ranging sectors and even the electronics as well. Yeah. I suppose to put it another way, everything is made of something. Yeah. Yeah, okay, materials, and yeah. that falls under our remit, and that even goes into things like you that you wouldn't expect, like the food sector, for example. Mm. Like cheese is a material, right? Yeah. A better way of putting it. Okay, and uh, in the past we've characterised the holes in uh, Edam cheese and things like that to make sure that they fell within the um, constraints supplied by the. EU. European Union, for example, you know. Are you telling me there's actually there's actually a specification for the holes. size of holes and cheese? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really? We, yeah. We've put in all kinds of uh, random things into the CT, which increases our skills and broadens the number of things that we can uh, help industry with. But uh, you can have a bit of fun with it every now and then as well. In so. fact, no, just to give an example, right, yeah. um, uh, we did product for... Uh, in relation to this cheese, right? We got a big chunk of cheese, big block of cheese, right? We did a CT scan, yeah. And then the, that CT scan, uh, sorry, that CT, after doing the CT scan, the product went all the way to Brussels, yeah. And then it came back, and then we did again another CT scan on the same cheese block, yeah. Just to see how the transportation impacts the voids inside, right? the collapsing, how much it collapses or the variations, right? Well, Just to give an example of that. right? We're still <laughs> waiting for the crackers to turn up, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you do with the cheese afterwards? Oh, no, no. Unfortunately, nobody dared to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the idea there is, I, I, 
you're assisting companies and and possibly researchers yeah. with with compliance but also to ensure that what's going on inside the mm. things that they make are actually what they think is going on. That's, that's right. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and to take a step back, I suppose, um, we're part of the, the Gateway programme that's funded by Enterprise Ireland. Okay, And they this is a range of research centres that are set up across Ireland in different areas of speciality. Mm. And the concept behind them is that a lot of companies don't have the money to buy an expensive piece of equipment that might solve one problem every six months. And then they don't maybe have the money to pay for the expert to be able to interpret the data and to run that machine. Okay, so philosophy behind the gateway centers and seem is that we would have that equipment on site and someone would come to us and say, we have this problem. Okay, and we'd say, oh, we have this piece of equipment here and we have the expert here to run it. And you only pay for those two days of work that it takes to resolve your problem. Mm. So this provides an edge to Irish industry. Okay allows them to access those uh, pieces of equipment, that expertise, and find the answers to problems that may not be everyday problems, but they can be big problems when they turn up. And that's the idea behind the system. So let, let's talk about where SEAM, uh, Southeastern Applied Materials, where, 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 where it's come from. So how, how long okay. have you been going, Ramesh? Uh, okay, I'll tell you, right. SEAM was launched as... Um, Enterprise Ireland funded Applied Research Enhancement Center, right, in 2009, yeah. Okay. Okay, and then we then became a technology gateway center in 2012, yeah. But now we are 10 years in technology gateway center, but over the last five, six years, we have become the leading technology gateway center in the country, right? And apart from technology gateway center, because the technology gateway center is primarily assisting the industry part of it, right? But we are much more than a technology gateway center now. We have grown into a full-fledged Applied Research Centre, because um, we have postgraduates and PhDs working on this thing. So we have grown from an Applied Research Centre to a Technology Gateway Centre to a full-fledged Applied Research Centre. Mm. Yeah. And we support PhDs and uh, training for master's students master's. and all levels as well, where research is the key. Yeah. So you, you would be writing papers, publishing papers. Yes, that's correct. Publishing yeah. white papers and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, right. and Ramesh, didn't you win an award recently? Yes, actually, I recently I won this uh, um, research, impact, uh, research Impact Award. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first time it has been constituted in WIT under that category. Yeah. yeah. So uh, would this come back to the idea that what you're describing to me sounds very applied? It's very much geared mm, towards it is yes. real world solutions. Yeah, uh, the real world is the right term to use there. Okay, we don't work a lot in blue sky hypotheticals. That's we work on real problems and real benefit and value to industry. Okay, mm. and that can be the solution to a day to day problem, as I described earlier. But that might be the development of a new product. Okay, that could give them the edge in the marketplace or to deal with maybe some kind of consistent problem that's been there with a product that was holding a company back. Yeah. Okay. So we do a lot of basically uh, the real bread and butter problems for industry. That would be our day to day business as well as research. So let's say a hypothetical example. I want to build a a smart bike of some kind, right? And I'm going to, I'm a software person, so I'm going to build some sort of Internet of Things capabilities into it and it's going to connect up to the Internet and do something, right? Whatever that might be. Uh, but one of the things I, one of the aspects of the bike that I'm interested in and one of my design goals is that it is lightweight but durable. And I know nothing about bikes and I want it to be a more lightweight and more durable bike than regular bikes. 
I come to you. Would that be how it would go? Absolutely. That is the kind of uh, things what we do over this race. So first of all, right, if you want to reduce the weight of the bike, right, the first thing we look at it, what is the present material which is being used, right? So we will see whether we can change to a lighter material, yeah. Mm. And uh, and the second thing is now, it's about the, about the design part of it, right? Can we change the design, yeah? And uh, so we have various techniques here yeah, to do that, yeah. One is a finite element analysis, uh, uh, the technique part of it, yeah. Yeah, um, finite um, element analysis is one of those big lumps of jargon that we try to avoid. Um, basically, some people refer to it as uh, stress analysis mm. or uh, computer simulation. And basically, uh, it's a computer software technique that allows us to simulate, say, like a, a metal bar, and we can look at what load will this bar take before it starts to bend. Mm. Well, we can use the same technique to look at the entire bike and see how it performs with different people on it or if it's going to bend or break under normal loading conditions or, you know, is the front wheel going to buckle if you hit a bump in the road or something like that. But also we have other techniques uh, such as called computational fluid dynamics, another big lump of jargon there, but that's to look at airflow, the mixing of air streams or liquid or anything like that. And in this case, you could look at, you know, the aerodynamic um, qualities of your bike design and see if it could be a little bit of an edge gotten in there so that people would get a bit further without working quite so hard. Mm. OK, and uh, this also um, another service we would look at is maybe the 3D printing of certain components. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once the design has, has been optimized, yeah, using this uh, finite element analysis, which Owen has pointed out, then we can also manufacture that part, the optimized part, yeah, uh, using the 3D printing, yeah. Mm. So the 3D printing, right, I mean, is, I mean, apart from printing that, right, you can also reduce the weight using 3D printing because you can build, uh, what do you call... Uh, yeah. We have the capability of printing in things like uh, aluminium alloys, alloys uh, but also uh, titanium. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, titanium is a good example of a metal for 3D printing because it's quite hard to work with to machine or do things with... To, you know, make stuff out of it normally. But when you 3D print it, you can build it from the ground up and get whatever geometry you want. And uh, it's a super lightweight material and super strong. So if you want to end up with a reduced weight bike, it would be a key material to look at. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about 3D printing because it's a, it's a fascinating area and I know very little about it, right? Yeah. So let's assume, and it won't take much of it, let's yeah. assume, you can assume that I know nothing about 3D yeah. printing. 3D printing is not printing paper, is that correct? No, no, that's not printing. Yeah. So what is 3D printing, right? If you take any conventional part, right, if you want to make a product, right, what you take, what you do is you take a chunk of material, you machine, 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 and then you end up your product. As a result, right, since you're machining, right, there's a lot of wastages, yeah. Mm. Whereas in 3D printing, you start from the raw powder, which is a, a powder, right? So you build layer by layer by layer, yeah. Okay. And as you build the layer, right, the laser will melt the part and then you build up the product bottom-up part and you end up the product with very little wastages, yeah, with less than 2% or 3% wastages. And this yeah. kind of um, is a key in um, design and this is part of the whole 3D wit and the spin-out company that we generated to educate people in the design requirements hmm. for the 3D printing or what we would call additive manufacturing technique. And this is to move away from most people design nowadays for subtractive methods, which is what Ramesh was mentioning there, where you take a block of metal and you remove just what you need to get the functional part at the end. Okay, mm. Well, that means there's probably a lot of extra material in there that isn't really doing anything. It's a big lump. 
Okay. So when you design additive manufacturing, you just put in metal where it's required. You can end up with a much more practical, lightweight, elegant structure as compared to conventional manufacturing techniques. That is mm. why the 3D printing is called additive because you keep mm. on add powder, 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 right? Mm. Whereas the conventional techniques, is, it is called subtractive manufacturing because you machine, 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 you remove material. Whereas in the 3D printing, you add material. Yeah. So you talk about the powder. So again, I know nothing about this. So, so it, I, I have seen 3D printers at work and kind of there's a little, small little kind of arm moving mm. around and doing things. But is the idea that it's dropping this powder? Well, in, H- how in, does it work? In metal additive manufacturing and to some degree in the polymer manufacturing, but we'll, we'll stick to metal for now because that's kind of seems area of speciality here. Yeah. Um, you put down a layer of very fine powder on a metal plate and where a, a laser fires down at it and where the laser hits, you get solid metal. Okay, basically okay. it fuses that powder into a solid metal. The plate then drops down a little bit more powder gets placed across the top, laser fires again exactly where you want because it's connected to a CAD system where you have the model of the part that you're printing. More solid metal is generated, plate drops down, rinse and repeat, could be a thousand layers until you end up with your finished part mm. and then off you go. There's various finishing after that to to take it off the plate and to polish it up, whatever. But basically that is the additive manufacturing process. So, you know, this is a crude example, but it's just trying to get it right in my head. It's kind of like Lego, in yeah. that you have a, a kind of a baseboard and then you put some bricks on and I might put some more bricks over here, fewer bricks here, and I might Absolutely. It. It's a very good analogy because, you know, Lego is a, a layer-wise manufacturing process. Yeah. Uh, it, additive manufacturing is very much a layer-by-layer manufacturing process. Actually, uh, one of the first things we actually printed, funnily enough, was actually a Lego man. Oh, really? Because <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. we, we scanned using the x-ray, yeah. uh, a little Lego guy, and then we uh, printed him out because it was a nice uh, way that people could access the technology because everyone knows about Lego and everyone understands how it works. But uh, then we had this metal little Lego man, <laughs> yeah. which was a nice little mascot for us. When for we first him. set up the lab, uh, the, the 3D printing lab in uh, 2014, yeah. In fact, we are the, we are the first... Uh, uh, production scale metal printer we had in an academic environment, yeah, settings, right, in Ireland, right, um, uh, got it, right. So in the, in the first year, right, our researchers, right, and also staff, no, they were very much interested and they were using a lot of interesting stuff like uh, mm. uh, a Lego man and then some, uh, this top, uh, and what do you call, uh, uh, bottle opener. Uh, yeah, bottle opener <laughs> and so many interesting <laughs> that things. That was just right? the demo part. Uh, yeah. no, no, that's already, that's already the demo part. Just to learn as well, now think of what it can Yeah, be I would always say that. that every time you yeah. print something, you learn something. Okay, yeah. you know, so Absolutely, yeah. use the machine, print things, you know, because that's how you advance your knowledge and the technology by, by trying it out and doing things because that's where you establish the limits or the capabilities, you know. How, how yeah. long has 3D printing been around? Oh, 3D printing, the concept has been... The concept is there quite some time, nearly yeah. 1950s, 60s. And mm. In fact, the, the prototyping, it, it was called it then. Yeah, it was, it was called a prototyping, yeah. yeah. Uh, the real additive manufacturing, what we know of, this thing came about in, 19, 20, in 1990s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 1990 or something like that. Yeah, because it, uh, it, it does sound like a genuinely revolutionary way of, of absolutely. doing absolutely. It's one of the disruptive technologies. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, like it's like Star Trek type stuff. Really, oh, yeah. you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, could you give give us an example of of, of where three D printing is is changing the way things are made? 
so so for example now you see now uh, in the space yeah now i think 3d printing has got wide ranging applications right predominantly the the medical uh, area is the one which has really adapted the, uh, the 3d printing right so for example if you want to have your own uh, dental aligners or dentures right yeah. you can yeah. 3d print bespoke 3D printing of your dentures, right? And and then the orthopedic industries now it has really taken on uh, 3D print, right? Um, 3D printing, yeah. So, uh, so, sorry, just to go back to you, you're talking about like dentures or teeth. So yeah. I have to have that. And let's say in the past I would get dentures, and there there there's maybe eight versions that I can choose from. Yeah. Well, I find one of them that fits best. Yes. Whereas this one I could do a scan of bespoke. myself. Yes. Patient or customer specific implants. Okay. That's what we're talking about. And the dental industry is uh, one that's really kind of taken the technique and run with it. It's been using it. It's one of the early adopters on a commercial level of the technology because you can print um, dental crowns and dental implants. You can put a lot of them on in a single build and they're not very high. You know, you can understand the size of a tooth. It's not huge. Yes. Okay. So it's possible to print a lot of them at a good price. And in the past, these would have been made by um, a dentist, a very time consuming process, or it would have been, you know, an off the shelf replacement that maybe wasn't ideally suited to an individual. Yeah. Okay. So this allowed quality to increase because, you know, they're making them out of titanium. Yeah. Okay. To go into people's mouths. Um, but also the cost came down a little bit because it's more, it's a more efficient manufacturing technique for customer specific implants and I'm assuming these things scale as well the oh, more yeah. people who do it the more it's Absolutely, made the cheaper it gets yeah, blah 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 the yeah. usual type thing well yeah. I mean the cost of the machines is quite high okay. which is also it's a good reason to come to a place like us if you want to dabble in the technology before you spend the money and make sure it's right for you but um, the more people that use it the more machine usage that happens, the more return on investment, you know, it becomes more economical for people to use it. So I'm not going to 3D print a car. You might, what am I 3D might print part, part of, of the car? car. Part of the car. Okay. A lot of components of part of the car industry is also now, is, uh, they've adapted the 3D printing, right? Right. So a lot of car industries, right? You know that, in that inside parts, right? Not as a full car, right? A lot of components in, inside the mm. car uh, parts are being now being made by 3D printing, yeah. yeah. Another big yeah. area would be the aviation industry mm. because you can have reduced weight components which will have similar strength to, you know, parts that are made conventionally. Yeah. And, you know, every little bit of weight saving in a, you know, 787 or an A380 or something like that, it was a, a fuel cost, okay, or, or a fuel saving for the company. Um, and that is leads to slightly greener technology and everything like that because you don't need to burn as much fuel to get where you're going. Mm. So it's a, being heavily adopted there to reduce weight. Yeah. And other areas, you know, coming back to the medical thing, right, the orthopedic areas and all, you know, it's tremendously now, it's, so they, they, have, they are now adapted next to dentistries. It is the orthopedic industry mm. in the medical sector which, have, which has adapted, right? Oh, I'd imagine. Uh, like, so I mean, you're talking about titanium, hip replacement hip is the first thing that springs to mind. Mm. And one of the other thing is that, you now you can make a, a porous structure in 3D printing, right? That allows the bone to grow into this thing, right? Oh, wow. Uh, so bone regrowth, right? So that, that is another fabulous um, advantage of this 3D printing technology, yeah. So let, let, let's, again, now I, I'm not a medical person, but let's just say in a hypothetical situation, I break my arm and it's a bad break of some kind. Yeah. Somebody could do a scan of my arm and, and build a little tiny part that, so instead of putting in screws and, and whatever, you could put this thing in instead. That's and then the, the bone would heal. Around. The bone will grow into that and it will heal because you can build a kind of a porous yeah. structure and that yes. the bone can grow into that, yeah. And then it becomes a very robust. 
then we also make wow. yeah that's amazing i mean that's that genuinely is amazing that's yeah. right again right this implant right if you can if you are making a titanium right then the titanium is going to stay there forever right so instead of titanium right you can make it with a magnesium right because magnesium has got the properties of bioresorbable in the yeah. sense what i mean by bioresorbable right after some time it will dissolve yeah it wander into very heavily our research, research area, area there you know this yeah. is not a market yet or anything it's like that but it's something that we're working on developing at the moment yeah which is biodegradable metallic implantable materials right okay? mm. so that's the idea where much like your example of the arm uh, we can help the bone to regrow okay so you end up with bone again you know your own bone yeah but over time, the body will break down the metallic implant and it'll disappear. Okay, so there's no need to go back in to go and try and remove that metal afterwards. Wow. Okay, so there's no need for a second operation when all the risks that come with it. Yes. Um, this is also, I suppose, a key area for this would be things like facial reconstruction. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so yeah. people who have had you know horrific injuries to the face to help them get a, a bit of normality back. Yeah. So for younger patients, right, instead of using titanium, you can go with this kind of magnesium. In fact, we are currently working on a disruptive technology innovation project, right, uh, involving companies and few other academic institutes together, right, where we are try we are looking into this uh, new materials, yeah. Mm. So where it can dissolve by itself after the, the bone, uh, after the tissue grows into it, and then you don't need any more implanted. Uh, so whereas if you're putting the titanium, it'll be there forever. Yes. So instead of that... You can use an alternative material. There's a nice little, uh, just a, a, a spin out or a spin off comment there. We bought, uh, or through the funding of the project, we got a, an EOS M280, it's an M100 system, a 3D printer. And this was originally designed as a jewellery printer or precious metal printer. So to print gold okay. and platinum and things like that. So we're using it to print magnesium materials now as biomedical implants. Wow. Well, hopefully, yeah. if it's successful, the project's going well. Great. But we yeah. have but to get to the end. What you're talking about, and what you're describing, it sounds like very much like high-value mm. manufacturing. I mean, it's high-end. You're not talking about... You Absolutely. Know, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. all high-end, right? But having said that now, we can also do some very other interesting part, right? Yes. Um, so... Um, when I say yeah. high-value, I don't mean that as a value judgment, but what no, I mean no, is no. that, yeah, I, I, yeah, you get the idea. Yes. I, 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 I suppose this is... Um, key to success in the technology is the whole picking the right part okay the technology mm. isn't for printing um, large components heavy components or anything like that um, when we first started out we had people coming to us with parts off the back of a JCB and things like that uh, yeah. that are, are very impractical and we would tell that customer oh, here's the price and they'd go away thinking oh that's very expensive that the technology isn't suitable or there's a problem with the technology but the real problem is their design Okay, or the part that they selected for the process. Mm. Okay, so through 3D Wit, we're working to educate people into making that right decision to pick that right part or right assembly or component where there's a cost win. Okay, where they save money or get a better quality component out of the end of it. And that's really that's the key to success in this technology is to the value to pick the right part that's going to give you a good return. Yeah. So apart from this high tech, uh, this thing, we can also do a lot of other other interesting stuff. Yeah. So just to give an example on this interesting stuff that now Seam celebrated our 10th anniversary uh, in 2019, well before the COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think now. In the before uh, times. Uh, well before times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, BC. Good times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, we invited our local minister. Uh, we want to surprise our local minister, uh, then the minister, John Halligan. Yeah. So we wanted to... Uh, Scan his head and give him a present. Present his head, yeah, on the day, yeah. 
<laughs> so we invited him just a, uh, a month before the event and we asked him to come just for a uh, visit and he visited us and uh, we made him to sit and uh, that was a difficult part to yeah. make him sit without without him moving yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we used a laser scanner to scan his head and um, and then we printed his his head uh, <laughs> using our polymer printer and um, <laughs> and on the day of the uh, on the event we presented him we put him on a on a pedestal his head and we printed uh, and we gave him as a gift and uh, he really loved it yeah so, so you you printed john halligan's head, head yeah. okay who would have been minister for skills or so, so, so he was minister for research yeah. and innovation at that time yeah yes, so he, yeah. he was the correct minister for our our center <laughs> you know i was uh, amazed by how well the hair came out yeah his hair absolutely <laughs> the, the detail okay. of his hair right protruding out yeah yeah it all printed so well and um, he was very happy with that yeah can, and, can i ask you what did you what was it made of that was uh, there is a pla, PLA um, yeah. it's a, it's a pla which is a sorry what's poly- a pla in a polyzy it's a polylactic it's a kind of a, it's a plastic material okay. it's a resin yeah, it's material polymer, yeah. it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a polymer material yeah okay so it wasn't there uh, gold oh no no <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a budget no, like that we don't have a funding for that <laughs> yeah. um, like i'm i'm reading a book at the moment by uh, a, Japanese American physicist called uh, Michio Kaku and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly and he's kind of postulating about space future mm. space travel and all this kind of stuff and one of the things he talks about is kind of self-replicating machines and you know how potential space colonies could be uh, sustainable into yeah. future so like if you if imagine there was something on the moon or Mars or wherever it might be and a little bit of it breaks it's not conceivable to just like ring up you know put place an order on amazon and it'll arrive the next yeah, day yeah. you know you, you need to be able to do these things yourself in fact well, i think uh, i think 5 years 6 years ago in fact the space stations they have 3d printers these polymer printers there right in, in the international space international station, station. Yeah? yeah they've yes, been trying it up there yeah it's trialing up there now so they have taken uh, some of these polymer printers and for any small breakage or small parts they can print it itself yeah okay so yeah, yeah. okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. It is, yeah which it is, is. Uh, it brings us into the idea that uh, you know in 10 years when you buy something from amazon it might be you might buy the cad data and then print it at home yourself and there you go there's the part that you ordered rather than waiting for dpd to deliver it do, do you think that we'll get to the stage where 3d printers will become a bit Oh, absolutely! It's going to become common. Common. It's going to be common usage, even in everybody, everyday's house polymer as well. Polymer, anyway. Yeah, polymer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe polymer. not gold. Yeah. No, no. No, <laughs> yeah. metal is more expensive. Whereas uh, polymer printers, you can buy for a grand. Yeah, okay, but it's nearly exactly. it's nearly there now. I mean, it's a lot a, of people are buying them as hobbyists or having them at home for you know printing models and yeah. engaging in whatever they want to get to know the technology, etc. Like so. That's why. we set up this 3d wit yeah this 3d wit um, it's it a spin off of uh, same center we we got funding under regional enterprise development program of enterprise ireland yeah mm. and uh, the 3d wit is set up to provide uh, primarily to provide training yeah uh, to the industry guys to the industry operators and also to our own third level uh, uh, students and for the school, the school students as well yeah um, in fact now like uh, last year um, we found partnership with junior cycle teachers um and also uh, iform which is a science foundation ireland advanced manufacturing center we found partnership with them to provide uh, national training for junior cycle teachers right and uh, in 2020 2021 yeah we trained 120 teachers yeah uh, spanning from north midlands and south yeah wow. uh, 120 teachers they underwent uh, um, uh, training having said that now the 3d bit was supposed to be hands on training center unfortunately because of the covid so we were yeah. providing the training with the with the online mm-hmm. but it was very well received and there is another 120 teachers have been booked up so this year in 2022 
we are going to start off with another 120 teachers yeah wow the, uh, uh, just to pick up on that whole practical comment um when we um, set up or conceived the whole 3d wit idea it was very much to have it as a, a practical training not um, and I hope I don't step on anyone's toes here you know not a boring lecture we didn't want to be standing up at the front of the class and I'd be the first to hold my hand up there you know, you're okay so um, to actually have the equipment that people might use in industry to have all the different types of 3D printer all the techniques you know we have a carbon fibre printer we can print in uh, engineering polymers known as PEAK which are very difficult to work with yeah. we have a metal printer on site in 3D width for training and um, we have all the software that goes with it so everything that you might use in the real world and in industry can be accessed at one site and you can have a go get your hands dirty and learn you know the real challenges with using the technology yeah, and yeah. the real benefits in fact in, in, among the academic centers right uh, for metal i think we are one of the leading uh, center in the country right we can print magnesium titanium stainless steel marriaging steel nickel based alloys we have printed for all these all these materials uh, yeah. for industries yeah so it sounds to me right again i don't have an engineering background but that with 3d printing there's a huge part of it is a mind shift change mm. or, an, or, or a change in imagination perhaps yeah. as to what can be done absolutely uh, and, yeah. and when you talk about so you're talking about junior cycle teachers you're talking about second level teachers i assume mm. yes. that's correct so yes. it, it, it's about it, perhaps about embedding those ideas early absolutely. in the next generation yeah. of engineers and physicists in, in many ways it's uh, reversing the way people think about making things you know? yeah when you say additive so like yeah, it, yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. so yeah. instead of taking a chunk of material and removing you know what you have to to get to something you need to think about building it from the ground up like yeah. a tree grows or something like that okay so i'd often talk about taking a design and stripping it back to its absolute bare bones it might be just a couple of lines on a sheet okay and then build that up from okay we need a certain amount of wall thickness here we need material here to do this job we need a connection between here and here to do whatever add in just that material and then when you might do simulation and figure out, okay, we need a bit more strength there. Yeah. Deal with that. And then you end up with a very minimized um, streamlined design for your final component that does everything that, you know, the old fashioned component did, but is now a completely different thing, but still does the job it's required to do. So I'm thinking about that quote from Michelangelo about the black marble and, you know, the statue was always there. I just had to reveal it. This really is the, the inverse of that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Are you getting much kind of, w would you say imagination is the biggest barrier that you have with I people? I mean, you good. talk about the JCB guy. Yeah. Like, is yeah. That, I, I don't, am I being unfair, I'm, perhaps? Yeah, it's a bit harsh. Yeah. But I suppose we want to give people, we want to unlock people's un imagination. Yeah. We want to give them the opportunity to dream and think and conceive new ideas and designs and then, you know, create them into reality, okay? We want to give them the tools to think in that manner, okay? Yeah. So that they can use the technology and get to where they want to go, okay? So um, that'd be my way of looking at it. Yeah, no, it genuinely does sound like a, a, a genuinely revolutionary technology. Now, I know people yeah. say that it sounds like a, like a kind of a hyper, hyperbole, but it, it really does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I think in, yeah, yeah. in 10 years time, right, I think this will be a, a technology where you can see it almost in every household or uh, mm -hmm. something like that. And and we would like to, and we in Seaman 3D, we would like to promote that, that to, to, to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's always been that yeah. idea that yeah. if we can get enough people out there in the region that have these skills 
and that'll bring in industries that are interested in you know using those skills yes. okay and hopefully yeah. you know we'll create um an additive manufacturing base here in the southeast that'll support job creation etc you know and that's our our long-term plan i suppose uh one last question so imagine somebody was listening to this and they were thinking about getting into research or starting postgrad or whatever it might be what advice would you have for them ramesh yeah please come and talk to us right as long as they have interest in research right mm. then we can we can uh, we can guide them yeah one of the things about this applied research is that now at the end of the research right you can you, you can feel your your work yeah you mm. can see some tangible thing coming out of it that is thing as long as they have the interest because the research it takes some time it takes 2 mm. years or 3 years or depending on what level they want to do research right and uh, and we have excellent infrastructure we have excellent facilities right all they have to do is come and talk to us yeah yeah i think um picking something that you're interested in you're passionate about because you know it can be a long road to get a phd you know you might be working on something you know for 3 years or longer depending on your situation yeah. so picking something that you're passionate about that you're interested in that you really believe could make a difference in the world or change things you know that's a good place to start okay we can provide the tools but you know you need to come to us or with the idea and that's the best way to start things because you know you'll be passionate about it you want to invest your time in it and mm. get it over the finish line there's a lot of applications absolutely whether you take over 3d printed electronics is again another area yeah. which we are going to get into it uh, in the next year and um, so there's a vast application in that right it's it, yeah i was just, a million ideas going off in my head there about what absolutely, could be done yeah. you know yeah. um to ono donohu and ramesh ragavendra uh, of seem uh, thank you very much for speaking with me today if somebody wanted to find out more about seem where should they go or how should they do it i think we are there in www.seem.ie s e a m .ie uh, and we are in twitter and we are in linkedin there's a lot of opportunities and we are directly based um, behind the allied irish bank on the paddy browns road within the industrial estate yeah. yeah and anybody is interested they can always walk in yeah they can make an appointment through this thing and uh, and uh, we are always there yeah. to show the facility yeah Brilliant. Uh, to Ramesh and Owen, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode soon. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 Plus. You can follow us on Twitter at 9 Plus Podcast. That's digit 9 PLUS Podcast. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. We'll be back with another episode next week. <laughs>